Sourcing for Innovation, episode 17. My name, as always, is Adam Curtis, joined again this time by Tom Eiler, our Chief Product Officer at Catalyte. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good, Adam. Thank you for having me back. Oh, you are more than welcome. Today we are talking about an inflection point in the realm of artificial intelligence. As we look forward to 2019, what is happening in the realm of AI, I know you feel pretty strongly this is a year in which things can go one way or another for AI. You want to explain that a little bit? Certainly. And I don't know that it's a big surprise anybody who's been looking at the headlines in the last few months and seeing things going on with major tech companies have seen that that the use of data, both for good and and for ill, um, has been very prevalent. And there's a lot of really important questions that we um, as a society have to resolve around that. I think that there's a, a confluence of um, data that is available um, for use and the potential um, to abuse that data that is kind of coming to a head. And um, if, if we as a society or as a group don't kind of directly address it, um, we're, we're going to not be able to avoid the problems and not be able to take advantage of the opportunities. So I think it's a, it's a very active debate for 2019, and I think everybody has a role in the debate, and everybody has a role in bringing solutions to the table. And we definitely are at a point where we can observe and measure more information, more data on individuals than ever before. For that, I don't want to put it to apocalyptic terms on this, but for that good versus evil choice, how do you how do you balance that? How do you balance the, the want and the need of a, a company like Catalyte to measure and record and display all this data with people who may not want to participate in that? Uh, yeah, and then that's obviously one of the big challenges. I, I go straight to, to a few kind of key concepts and the fact that, that frankly, um, you know, data is an extension of the individual, and as an extension of an individual, the individual should play an active role in making sure that it's handled uh, appropriately. I think along the lines of, um, uh, you know, an individual, first of all, making sure that they're aware of the fact that data is being collected um, from, uh, from them or uh, about them. Um, and that they consent to that. I think there needs to be transparency around how that data is going to be used. Um, and I think that ultimately there needs to be control that is enabled that if an individual chooses to no longer have that data to be used for, for various purposes, that there's the means and the method to address and allow the individual to, to have that control. I think if you have those, those three things in place, the awareness, the transparency, and the control, you've set up the environment for at least individuals to be in, in the, the position to be able to protect themselves and choose how they want data to be made available um, about them. And then they can choose how they want to, to benefit from the use of that data. 
So let's get into some some real world examples on this, starting with the, you know the catalyte model of using AI in a positive way, data collection to reduce bias in traditional hiring methods. So let's da- walk down your path of you know sort of good practices versus bad practices in that specific use case of AI. Certainly, and um, I think the good news is 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 the the data that we deal with from an individual standpoint is pretty clearly defined and there's there's a well set process um you know first of all individuals become aware and choose to engage in the process of measurement by taking our screening tool um, to be able to see if they're eligible to participate in the program Um, and it's a very discreet period of time and there's a very discreet exercise by which we use to um, to gather the data. There's no kind of always on, on-demand component of it where we're, we're selecting or, or tracking data um, passively. The data then is used very specifically for a, a discrete decision, which is, um, is an individual eligible to participate in our program? And we use AI and machine learning to correlate the the data associated with um, their interaction with our screening tool with patterns of success that we've been able to measure out in the marketplace. And then finally, we inform them of the results of the screening assessment and, and they understand um, what it means and then ultimately they are able to choose whether they uh, would like to participate in our program. I think that the, the you know where this ultimately extends is what we do is we use data to to um, be able to understand the potential of individuals for different career tracks, and we do it in a very controlled and isolated way. But the idea is something that is emerging across a lot of different companies. There's a lot of different. Um, uh, companies and organizations that are seeking to gather and use lots of different sources of data to better identify candidates and talent, to be able to assess employees, um, and, and to ultimately be able to provide and sell services to individuals. I think that the opportunity here with the, um, the, the amount of, of resources that are being plowed into it and the implications of being able to meaningfully impact the, the workforce development world make this ripe for both positive uses of data as well as potential abuse. And, and I guess that's, that's the tightrope that we really need to walk in 2019 is how do we guide the world? How do we guide society in terms of making sure that as we take this journey, we do it in an appropriate and positive way? Yeah, with the example of Catalyte, it is very much a closed environment. When you get into something that's a bit more public, public job boards, public postings, having those pieces of information that you, the job seeker, um, give up to be to be screened, to be parsed, to be maybe sold to third parties, that's where you get down that other path that you might not ever quite know what your resume in those cases is actually being used for. Absolutely, and, and I guess I would would argue it's much broader than your resume. Um, sure. You know, we, we've seen um, large amounts of of, of social data um, being made available and released for lots of different purposes. 
Um, it's, it's real easy to understand how individuals could be put into profiles and used for, for talent acquisition purposes um, or obviously other advertising or targeting purposes. Um, I guess I, I would also then argue that there's a lot of places where there's a lot of data that, that companies have the ability to collect data for those uses. And, and um, whether they're being used today or whether they're being looked at for future use, you can easily see that um, the potential to use data um, related to individuals and their activities interacting with, with technical items, the internet, with IoT devices, things like that, could be used in a broad set of ways. So is it going to be harder then to keep on the good path when you're dealing with such things as, let's say, the gig economy, where you have to be out there as an individual sort of putting yourself into this larger machine, especially as we look towards scaling the gig economy and getting it more into an enterprise state rather than a, a one-off or two-off people here or there? Yeah, I think my short answer to that is yes, it's going to be harder. And, and um, it, it, it's kind of like everything else that we've been experiencing you know, over the last 10 years. There, there's opportunities to benefit from the use of, of, of the data, but then there's also dark sides. There's people who want to take advantage of the use of the data. And, and what it's been producing is individuals who are much more vigilant much more aware of that potential and therefore can make um, better decisions. So uh, I, you know, I know that by enabling location services on a given app, the, the individuals who write code for that app and potentially users could expose my location. However, um, because it is a mapping program and it helps me get to where I want to go, I will take that risk. Um, or it, it helps make sure that, that my photographs are appropriately classified. I'm willing to disclose that kind of information. The, the, the most important thing is that people understand the potential for the use of the data, the risks associated with that, but then weigh them against the benefits that they get and, and make decisions. Where it becomes problematic is when there's intentional um, deception or obfuscation around the collection and the use of that data where individuals can't take that responsibility and can potentially be victimized. Well, there's just not that much trust anymore. So for right now on Facebook going around is that 10 year challenge. So post a picture of you from 10 years ago, post a picture of you from today. And within a couple of days, there were think pieces coming out saying, wait a minute, this isn't just a fun meme. This is something that Facebook has probably put out there to train its AI intentionally to catch up on human aging processes. So I think there's already built in a little bit of that. Um, so that's the right word I'm looking for. A little bit of the, all right, we've been fooled before on this. We're not going to be fooled again by these trends from large companies, whether they're obfuscating it or whether this is just something that happened to be, we don't trust it anymore. I, I honestly think a healthy level of cynicism is a very valuable thing in this day and age. Um, I, you know, I, I have the same level of cynicism about um, collection of data, and I think twice uh, or sometimes three times before I choose to interact with a new application or provide new information 
Um, I, I had someone um, call me the other day about uh, a doctor's visit my son had five years ago and said that I overpaid by $5 and they wanted to return my money. And I was very cynical that they were trying to actually extract some personal data about me or my son or something else. And I was very careful with how I responded to that phone call and the information I provided. Um, I think that's honestly a good thing in this day and age. We, 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 there are so many players, there's so many opportunities for this. I think um, a, an approach where individuals really take ownership of how they control their own data and how they release that to other parties, whether it's through an app or a device or directly to another individual, I think that that's actually a prudent place for society to be right now until maybe we have some more systemic um, laws, methods, um, or technical approaches to ensure the protection of personal data. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is, is that next step going to come from some sort of self-regulation? Facebook wakes up tomorrow and realizes, I'm going to lose my user base, a.k.a my cash cow if I don't change something now? Or is it going to be government coming down from the top and saying, given the good of the republic, this is what you have to do now? Well, in the last question, we we, uh, we determined that I was cynical by nature. Um, I, I, honestly, my my I, I don't think we can rely upon the people who benefit from the use of the data to take the appropriate actions. Um, I think that this is where individuals need to actually express their control over their own data and either through just the mindful interaction and decisions that they make on a day-to-day basis or through things that are broader like boycotting um, platforms that that have consistently abused individual data rights. I think that's that's the big piece that may ultimately translate into some laws and regulations. Certainly, um, Europe has taken a number of steps forward and, and is kind of leading the world. I tend to prefer um, uh, disclosure and transparency over regulation. I, I, you know, I sometimes worry that regulators don't really understand the topics a lot of times and that regulating this stuff can have a lot of unintended consequences. But I keep going back to the fact that, that, that people need to be aware that their data is co- being collected and potentially being used, that there's transparency about how it's being used. And ultimately, we need to ensure that, that, that individuals have the rights to how their data is used, that no one else owns those rights, and that they can control um, whether that's used in the future for a given benefit or a given, given purpose. The one area that I don't think a lot of people realize how much data they're giving up because it might not seem like personal information is on gaming platforms. Every every button stroke, every key press, everything that you're doing is being logged somewhere, and that's being able to create a profile of you, the gamer, you, the individual. Again, give us those two paths. Give us the give us first give us first the negative path. Let's go with your cynicism. Give us the negative path for what that does, but then give us the positive path for how those interactions, how those data points might be used for AI for, you know, even, you know, job hiring purposes. 
Well, yeah. So, so I think the, the the difference between the negative and the positive is a somewhat fine line. Uh, the, the thing about gaming, and I would argue that actually the possession of cell phones is very similar. Both both gaming when you're engaged with it, and when you have a cell phone and you're carrying a cell cell phone around, they're they're both con- continuous sources of streaming data that relate back to you, your activities, who you are, what you do, how you react. Because they're a source of continuous data, they present lots of people with opportunity to see how they could benefit from it. So anything from um, marketers trying to sell you something to scammers who are trying to get your bank account information to individuals who are trying to find people who have unique skill sets for various jobs, for individuals who are trying to target um, those that are weak or or potentially attractive to to inflict crime on. There's just, you know, data is neither good nor bad. It's what we do with data. And typically, the more data, the more personal the data, the more current the data, um, the more valuable it is and the more potential for both good and harm. Um, I, I think that that um, gaming is a really, really interesting use case that that if I had to guess, I would say in 2019 or 2020, we're going to see at least one event of a gaming platform that inappropriately used or sold the data related to um, activities on the, the the gaming platform. If you think if you think about some of the activities, um, and some of the online games, you know, there, there's actually, you know, leadership that's displayed, decision making, reaction time, you know, uh, the, the stamina. There are a lot of characteristics that you could draw signals from that data that could be really helpful in understanding the individual you're dealing with or that individual's potential um for for a job or in a role or activity or or for other purposes um i think that people will wake up to the fact that there can be very rich data that's pulled from those platforms and therefore it will entice actors to to potentially try to use it for their own benefit now you're not talking about just like the last starfighter we're not going to go from someone playing a video game being discovered as having this great talent for x y or z and then u.s military snapping them up right this is more sort of smaller embedded things about how they're interacting amongst people or amongst environments not for a very specific skill that's direct to that video game yeah i guess i guess i would say that a lot of those things that you could pick up could be very broadly um uh broadly related to to other activities or other areas that we want to know more about. You know, first of all, if you think about it, a game is basically a competition or a puzzle. It's challenging an individual. The, the, the interesting and cool thing about games is you usually get the natural person. This is not a job interview where someone's trying to pretend to be the person that they think you want to hire. This is a person in their natural element doing their best to be successful, but really signaling and sending out how that individual works in in this type of an environment. And you can simulate stressful environments and it is competitive and someone is trying to their best 
to be able to win. And you get a lot of signals from an individual who's engaging in that way. And they're, they're natural signals. Um, you can get progression, too, or the grit, as I guess the people like to call it. You can see where someone maybe started as a baseline and how they're progressing over time, given um, the ability to improve on either a static system, if we're talking about, let's say, you know, the first Mario, or of a very reactive system as we get into some of the, you know, first person or collaborative, um, you know, shooter games that we have now. Uh, yeah, I absolutely think you can you can pick up on stamina. I think you can pick up on teamwork. I think you can pick up on communication skills. Um, I think you pick pick up on strategy. There there are a lot of very interesting and unique dimensions that these games inadvertently expose. And the ability to collect that data and use that data, again, I think in one way, it could be tremendously beneficial. Could you imagine if you could encapsulate this data and let the, let the major technology employers be able to mine um, repositories to be able to hire these individuals and pay them lots of money? That could be a really good thing. So, so someone who's engaged in these platforms could get an email from, from Google or Microsoft saying, hey, We'd really like to talk to you. Um, and on the other hand, there, there could be people who are also trying to use the data for, for other purposes. Again, I go back to data is not good or evil. It's, it's how the data is used. And we need to make sure that we're being mindful as more and more data gets out there and there's more and more potential for use that we're doing it in a way that doesn't undermine or set back the good use of that data. So 2019... To encapsulate here, data is everywhere. Everyone is contributing to this data. Not everybody knows what they are contributing and what that contribution is going to. So if you, Tom Eiler, king of the data world, were to set up three sort of rules for companies to follow in terms of making sure that people are aware, making sure that there's transparency, making sure that there is control, what would those be? Uh, yeah, so, and, and like I said, I would prefer that companies do this voluntarily, but, you know, clear, everyday language, not in small type, not in a large scroll down user, you know, term of use document, but clear, easily available way, um, state the data that they're collecting and why they're collecting it. Um, be able to state how they are going to use it and give you the rights to limit their ability to use that data in a clear and engaging way. You think it's always ironic that these companies, uh, and we all, uh, these companies spend a lot of money on usability and good design. They work really hard to make their platforms easy to use, but then when they actually go and give you the, 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 the terms of use, or their privacy policies it is the most challenging um, thing to actually understand or um, be able to to act on effectively. Lawyers aren't good at user experience, and it's not just lawyers. There's no there's there's not a lot of incentive until we as individuals demand this of our platforms. There's not going to be any incentive to address it, and I think that's where there's there's a. I don't know if there's a tipping point. I guess my, my, big, um, my big question about 2019 is will 2019 be the point at which enough people wake up to this issue 
to force the appropriate change? Or will that slide into 2020 or beyond? People will wake up to it. This is, this is inevitable. Um, we're only collecting more data. There's only more opportunities for, for misuse. And where we are is not going to be good enough. So it will happen. The question is whether that happens in, in 2019 or beyond. Tom Eiler, Chief Product Officer at Catalyte, thank you for looking into the future of data with us today. It is my pleasure, Adam. Thank you.